Here's the prophecy. The Lord Jesus is passionate about you. He is really deeply committed to you. He deeply cares about you. And His passion burns for you. And it burns for His church. And that's the simplest yet the most profound prophecy that anybody could ever give. Or that you could ever receive. Is that Jesus is passionate. And this book is a love letter that He's written to you. And this book contains the most intimate um, writings that God could ever say to you. And I just feel like the Lord wants to emphasize that this morning is that that sometimes we think that he's he um, remembers our wrongs more than our rights. Sometimes we think that that's what's on the forefront of his mind. But that's not what's in his heart at all. He is just passionate about you. And he remembers every little every little uh, question that you ask to him, even every little complaint, I believe, with fondness, because you're coming before his throne and he his heart burns. It yearns for you. And, I, you know, whenever I think about God's passion for me, you know, being a parent, obviously, as mo- a lot of you are, I can't help but picture, you know, my little boys. As they, come for, as they come to me, as a little boy comes to his dad, you know, I don't think about all of the bad things that they do. You know, I don't, that's not the things that I remember about them. That's when I think of Noah and Judah and Gabriel, little three-month-old Gabriel, I'm not thinking about, you know, all the bad stuff or all the things they've done wrong and when, I'm ha- when I've had to punish them. But I think of them with fondness. You know, it puts a smile on my face and it puts a joy in my heart and my heart just yearns for the best things for them in their life that they could have. And I just want us to remember that that's how God feels about you. That's how he thinks about you is his heart just goes out and says, oh, my son and my daughter, the one that I've created in my image. The Bible says that while you were still in your mother's womb, he knew you. Do you know that he has all the hairs on your head counted? That tells me that he knows quite a bit about me. For some of us, it's more hair than for others. I can pick on Jim like that. But it's just easier for God with Jim, see, you know? It's just easier. He's just making it easier on God. So, (laughs) I want you in this time that I feel like that we're in, the season, so, so to speak, I want you to remember that you need to refuse to become discouraged. Refuse to become disheartened. Refuse to become disillusioned with the things of God. Refuse to become disillusioned with the church and with the family that we have here. Or with the family that you may be involved with somewhere else. Because I feel like... The season that we're in currently is a season of preparation. It's a season of growing, if you will. And I feel like I've just been kind of observing recently, and I apologize for the hand motions with the cast. You know, I'll try not to beat you over the head with it in the front row or anything. But um, I've just been observing some things that I've heard um, just 
out there, I guess, around uh, people saying about what God's doing in the church and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that we're on the threshold of a blessing, that a season of blessing that God really has for us. We're on the threshold. Now, you know what a threshold is, you know, it's like the part of the door that you walk across. You know, if you look it up in the dictionary, a threshold is a beginning point. It's an entrance to something. Okay, and I believe that we're on the threshold of a season of harvest and a season of blessing. Now, I'm going to quote uh, Jim for a minute here. A few years ago, around the turn of the millennium, I remember Jim saying many, many times, especially in CSM and other places, that the next five years are going to be legendary. You know, and what he meant by that is that God was going to do so much in the next five years from 2001 to 2005 that it would make the past, the things that he's done in the past, you know, kind of pale in comparison. And uh, I feel like that I really my spirit bore witness with that when he was saying that. And I feel like those five years, you know, we still got a few more to go. And I still believe that that is going to be true. I feel like that God is, is going to bring us over the threshold and the season of preparation and the season of growing to a season of reaping, a season of harvest. Okay, so I want to beckon you in your lives this morning not to grow disheartened, not to grow cold, not to grow dispassionate about the Lord, because the blessing is just across the threshold. It's just around the corner. But see, the hard part is it's in God's timing, not ours. When we think it's just around the turn, you know, we're thinking tomorrow, you know, or maybe in five minutes. Okay, well, it may be in five minutes. I really hope that it would be. But it may not be quite that soon. But nonetheless, I sincerely believe that if we will continue to sow the right seed, that God will then reap a bountiful harvest in our lives. I was thinking about this, you know, this concept of sowing and reaping. And uh, I think it's so critical to, to this time that we're in. Because it is a time of growing. And if you don't sow seed, then not much is going to grow. And uh, I want to look at a scripture in just a few minutes about that. But I just want to introduce that part by saying, think about what you're sowing. Okay, think about whether you're sowing things in the spirit or whether you're sowing things in the flesh. Because the Bible says that if you sow in the spirit, you're going to reap in the spirit according to the spirit. If you sow according to the deeds of the flesh, you're going to reap according to the deeds of the flesh. And I think that as a church, we need to, we need to ask ourselves that question also. Are we going to sow to the spirit or to the flesh? So remember, there's three things that I feel like we can do during a season of preparation or a season of growing. And the first one I've already mentioned is just to simply remember that the Lord is passionately in love with you. I want to read this scripture, and uh, it's one of my favorite scriptures that's meant the most to me, I guess, especially since the time that I received Christ about ten years ago. And it's David's song... David sings this song, of course. We know that he wrote a lot of songs. And it's 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 17. And he says, He reached down from on high 
and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. From my foes who were too strong for me, they confronted me in the day of my disaster. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me, get this, because He delighted in me. Now remember, it doesn't say He delighted in the things that I did or the things that I do. He delights in you. He delights in me. And it doesn't say that you won't be in deep waters or that you won't have enemies, but it says that He will rescue you. Amen? Isn't that good news this morning? That God is going to be our, is our rescuer. That He is our shelter in the times of storm. Amen. So I want to, you know, just as a, as a farmer goes out and sows seed, and then during a time of waiting, during the time when the seed is growing, one of the things that is really critical is that he has the sunlight to shine on upon that crop. You know, we all know that the that plants need certain factors in order to grow and develop properly. And we know that sunlight is one of those things that's really critical for something to grow. So to use that analogy is let the sun, Jesus the sun, shine on your life during this time of preparation. Don't hide from Him. Don't try to ignore Him. Don't get too busy for Him. Let the sun shine in your heart. Let it bring joy. Let it bring the peace that you know that only He can give. The second thing to do during this season of growing is to rediscover and cultivate your passion for Jesus. Read it. So Jesus is passionate about you. And I want to encourage you to rediscover and cultivate your passion for Him. Very simple concepts. But at the heart of who we are, a farmer, again, he cultivates that plant. He takes care of it. He's got to water it. He's got to pull out the weeds around it so that it can grow properly. He wants to cultivate the soil and make sure it has the right nutrients so that it can get the proper things that it needs in order to grow. And in the same way, during this time of preparation and the season of growing, we, we need to cultivate our passion for Jesus. Now, a few weeks ago, my wife gave a testimony about um, something that had been going on in her life recently and how she had just felt almost suffocated, just felt like she couldn't breathe. I was just like, God, please, you know, get me out of this place of just feeling like I'm not really useful, that, that I, I'm just consumed by taking care of the kids. And, and, you know, she even said that she had told the Lord that when, when my kids are grown, then I'll serve you. You know, and it was in that place when she cried out for help, basically, like that scripture from Second Samuel said that the Lord came and drew her out of deep waters. The Lord reached down and He really touched her. And you could see the Lord all over as she shared that testimony about what He was doing. Um, and I believe that that's not, unique, that's not a unique experience for her right now. As I've talked to people, people in this church and others, and even felt this way myself, it's this sense of, Lord, 
bring refreshing. Lord, please, I need something. You know, I can't keep going like this. Please, Lord, touch me. Please, Lord, give me a drink of water. And I felt that way also from time to time over the past couple of months. Is Lord, there's got to be something more that you want to do in my life. Speak to me. Give me refreshment. Give me nourishment. Cultivate my spirit with the water of your word. I love this scripture also. And uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9. And this scripture, the reason that I love it so much is because it's like a testimonial. Okay, it starts out talking about where you've come from. And then it ends with what you have become. It's 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. You don't have to turn there. Just let me read this to you. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not, bece- do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is so- what some of you were. That is what some of you were. That is what I was. That's what we all were. We all participated in some sort of deeds of, of unrighteousness that displeased the Lord. But here's the catch. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Praise God. That just, that just makes my heart leap for joy. Is that I was despicable, yet the Lord justified me. He cleansed me. He washed me. And I have reason to celebrate because of that. I have reason to rejoice every morning that I get to wake up and serve God because I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. That is so good. I really don't need any more than that. I really don't. You know, that's all I need. I've been redeemed. And Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, that's, that's, that's the answer to life, right? That's the answer to your Christian walk. And that's the answer to cultivating your relationship with the Lord. And, you're, and re, rekindling the flame, rekindling your passion for Him, is remembering the simplicity of what Christ has done in your life. Just think about that. You know... Uh, Sarah and I are on our fourth year of marriage here, and um, yeah, thank you, thank you. And I, I wanted to, I was thinking back to when we were engaged, you know, and uh, for those of you who are married, you can relate with this, I'm sure, but you know, when you're engaged, it's just like, you know, it's just like, they do no wrong, and everything's great, and you're just floating on clouds, and I remember we, you know, more than once we stayed on the phone all night, you know. Oh, honey, yeah, I know. You know, and you just all smiles and you glow and it's like, ah, you know. And, you know, it's funny when you're engaged, it's easy to take her flowers. You know, I mean, it's just, it's actually a natural part of the whole thing. Like, you don't even think about it. It's just like flowers. 
You know, I remember when uh, Sarah and I were engaged, Nathan would be like, Dad, burn it, man. You stop burning her flowers. <laughs> You're making me look bad. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and then I heard him murmur, that won't last long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say he was kind of right. But, you know, it's just, it's a blissful time. And everything's great and grand. And, and you get married and, you know, it's, it's all great and everything's good. Um, but over time, those, those, fe- those tingly feelings begin to fade a little bit, you know. And you guys know it's not that the love goes away, but life just begins, right? You know, that's not real life right there. Then you get into life and you're going to work and, you know, you're going through your day and you're putting up with the little, you know, idiosyncrasies that somehow weren't even there when you were engaged and, you know, all these things. And, and, uh, and, and then you have some children and, man, they're a blessing and, you know, praise God. And you're just like, cold, you know, and, and you realize that, you know, Nobody told me that marriage was so much work. Does anybody relate with that or am I the only one? Okay, good. I'm glad. So, you know, marriage is work. And it's like when you have your children and you, you, all of a sudden the, the dates that became, were so easy when you were engaged, you have to schedule you know, you like have to write them in there and then you have to convince a babysitter to come and deal with your rowdy children for a few hours while you go out, you know. <laughs> I think I've struck a chord here. Some people are nodding their heads, especially Andy. <laughs> no. um, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you got to work to cultivate that passion for your spouse. You got to work at it and you, you got to be aware of it. And, and this is where I've, I feel like, and I don't want to be cliche here, but this is where it also comes in and says, Lord, I ask you to love my spouse through me. In, order, in other words, take control and help me to do it. You know, prompt me to do those special little things that will make her feel loved, that will make her feel adored and wanted and all that kind of stuff. And God's still working with me, you know, I'm getting there. But, um... I feel like in the same way, the Lord, that you have to cultivate, you need to begin, you got to begin to cultivate your passion for Jesus. Okay, now don't get me wrong, I don't mean in a legalistic way, but in the same way as you don't stop loving your spouse, but you do have to, to go towards certain things to rekindle the passion. And, uh, you know, recently I've, I've been struggling with just the busyness of life. You know, and just um, the kids are waking up at, you know, 6.30 and all this stuff is going on. You know what I'm talking about, just the whirlwind, you know. And it's like, Lord, I really love you, but, you know, where do I get to have my hour with you in the mornings? You know, where is it at? And the Lord gives grace in those times, I believe, you know. And at the same time, I feel like he's given me and he'll give you a strategy on, on how to overcome the busyness of life and really be able to drink from his wells of living water. Amen. He'll give you a strategy. If you just ask him, just ask him. Uh, I heard the women had a great time at the uh, women's meeting yesterday. 
And uh, I, heard, I heard the Lord really move there. That was, sounded like it was really awesome. And one thing that Sarah Ruth was telling me about it was that she was saying that the Lord wants to help you. You know, all He's doing is just waiting for you to ask Him, to ask Him for help. You know, and in the same way, I believe the Lord wants to give you the time. He wants to help you to rekindle that flame. If you'll just ask Him and go after Him. Now, I want you to remember also who you are in Christ. You know, the Bible says that we're aliens in a strange land. But like 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that I read said, is that we are no longer a part of that world. We're no longer a part of that sinful life, but we have our own identity in Christ. And uh, I have this little card here. And uh, it was made by a group called Champions for Christ. And it says on it, Identity in Christ. And I just love this because what it does is it takes Scripture and it personalizes it. And, and it just is something for you to kind of stand on and to quote. And I just want to read a few things to you. It says in the subheading, Our identity and personal sense of value is determined by discovering who we are in Christ Jesus. I have a destiny in God. I know the plans that the Lord has for me are plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a future and a hope. I'm a child of Abraham by faith and therefore an heir according to the promises God made to Abraham. There is no condemnation in my life because I am in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I know that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ever ask or imagine because of the power that works in me. Amen? If that doesn't pump you up, I don't know what does. You know, because this is the Word of God. Like I said, this is His love letter to you. I am washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And I know that all things work together for good for me because I love God and I am called according to his purpose. I am predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I am called. I am justified. I am glorified. And God is for me. That's just a really encouraging thing to me when I forget, you know, how easy it is to forget who we are in Christ. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I want uh, Jeremy's going to play this CD. And uh, I just want, as he, as he plays this, I want you to pay attention because as I was praying this morning, I just felt like this song is really the essence of who that I, how I feel as I'm before Christ. And so I just ask that if you just close your eyes and just listen to this song for just a second. Um, just listen to, to the words that she's singing on here.
That's what it's all about. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never understood the gospel. You never understood what all this Jesus talk was all about. And this is all it is. Just like that song said, so I come into your chambers and I sit at your feet, Lord. For you are my Savior and I'm at your mercy. Have mercy upon me, Lord, for I am a sinner and I am in need of you. And I recognize the price that you paid on the cross for my sins. And I accept that. And I ask you to come in and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, I just ask that you would do that this morning. In each of our hearts, oh God. Cleanse us, Lord. Renew us. Refresh us, oh God. I just encourage you to sit at the Lord's feet if you're suffocating.